This is Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. Today I have the great pleasure of uh, sitting down with Dr. Rob Soslow, who is a professor at Weill Cornell Medicine, and he's also attending pathologist at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Welcome, uh, Rob. Thanks so much for the opportunity. Um, today we're going to discuss a topic that I think is uh, of great relevance to both pathologists and uh, gynecologic oncologists, and this is the the three-tier classification of cervical adenocarcinoma. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how we came to this classification and, and, the, and the relevance of this classification? Of course. Um, it's been known, particularly among gynecologic pathologists, for 20 to 30 years that there are enormous difficulties and therefore um, really notable disparities in opinions regarding the differentiation of extensive adenocarcinoma in situ and superficially invasive um, endocervical adenocarcinoma. Furthermore, it has also been uh, the opinion of pathologists, but particularly Dr. Elvio Silva, um, that uh, the FIGO staging uh, guidelines for microscopically detected endocervical adenocarcinomas led to inappropriate treatment or let's say over-treatment of a rather large number of patients with early stage disease. And it was really these two factors that drove um, the class, uh, drove the interest um, in uh, finding a classification that um, adequately represented um, minimally invasive endocervical adenocarcinoma on one end and the prevention of uh, unnecessarily radical therapy for patients at the other end of the spectrum. And Rob, this, uh, for those who may not be familiar with the classification, this goes beyond the standard, you know, death of invasion reporting or the standard grading. This, this, this goes beyond that point. Can you tell us a little bit about the description of how pathologists differentiate one type versus the other. Uh, are you calling it a type one, two, or three, or are you calling it type A, B, or C? Sure, sure. So uh, again, under the leadership of Elvio Silva, um, the uh, pathology community has uh, recognized that there are different patterns of stromal invasion. Elvio was particularly interested in evaluating different patterns of invasion and how they correlate with the coexistence of lymph node metastasis. It was his idea that evaluating different patterns of cervical stromal invasion might be more powerful um, than existing uh, FIGO schemes, which as we all know, account for depth of invasion and horizontal spread of the tumor. And what are you looking specifically when, sure. when you classify one from the other as a pathologist? Yeah. So as far as the Silva classification scheme, we recognize pattern A, pattern B, and pattern C. Um, the other, um, I think, really powerful aspect of this classification, again, which contrasts with that of FIGO is that the classification not only looks at patterns of stromal invasion, but also recognizes 
the prognostic importance of lymphovascular invasion. So, pattern A is a type of invasive adenocarcinoma that shows so-called non-destructive growth. This um, is a pattern that lacks a stromal reaction to invasion. Um, by definition, pattern A should not encompass tumors that have lymphovascular invasion. And no surprise, these are the lowest risk tumors. And in fact, in most or perhaps all studies that have been done on the topic, um, patients with pattern A and cervical adenocarcinomas do not have lymph node metastases. At the other end of the spectrum are the pattern C tumors. And these um, are tumors that show very obvious, widespread stromal reactions to invasion. Uh, these are very often associated uh, with lymphovascular invasion, and these patients are at highest risk of harboring lymph node metastasis. In the middle are the pattern B tumors. Um, to summarize a somewhat complex uh, topic, pattern B tumors look rather like pattern A tumors at scanning magnification. That is, they are uh, invasive, but primarily uh, lacking a destructive uh, invasion pattern. Um, pattern B tumors are distinguished from pattern A tumors by the presence of very focal or only very limited um, stromal reaction to invasion. Um, if one finds a pattern A tumor with lymphovascular invasion, that tumor would then be reclassified as a pattern B tumor, which means that the pattern B tumors are actually heterogeneous. Some of them are uh, minimally invasive without lymphovascular invasion, and others are minimally invasive with lymphovascular invasion, and it seems as though um, patients who have lymphovascular invasion might experience a risk of lymph node metastasis rather similar to that of pattern C, and those pattern uh, B tumors lacking lymphovascular invasion are probably much closer um, in terms of lymph node metast uh, rates of lymph node metastasis to the pattern A tumors. And Rob, uh, just uh, one question to uh, clarify. Um, in order for the pathologist to provide us with this very detailed information, is this something that they need a cervical cone specimen, or is this something that you can tell us from a simple biopsy? Yeah. A uh, simple biopsy is really not adequate um, to really assign the pattern, and that's because of sampling error. Um, for example, uh, to distinguish between a pattern A and a pattern B tumor, we would need to uh, evaluate an excision, any kind of excision specimen with negative margins so that the pathologist has as much material um, as possible to evaluate for even the focal presence of destructive stromal invasion or the focal presence of lymphovascular invasion, which obviously features very importantly in the classification scheme. So I think um, even in a LEAP specimen with negative margins, uh, we can confidently assign the pattern, uh, certainly in uh, cones and uh, hysterectomies and trachelectomies. Uh, the pattern classification is easily performed. 
I heard you say something really interesting and something that uh, kind of moves us into the, um, the area of the clinical implications of, of this classification. And I think I heard you say that the pattern A was associated with uh, very low or no evidence of metastatic disease to, to the lymph nodes. Do you foresee that this classification would help clinicians make decisions with regards to perhaps not recommending a radical hysterectomy and perhaps feeling more comfortable about recommending a more conservative approach or even potentially not even evaluating the lymph nodes if you have a patient with a pattern A classification for adenocarcinoma. Absolutely. That was, I think, one of Elvio's intentions from the start. So I can envision a scenario where a patient uh, may have a seven millimeter deep uh, tumor that is circumferential. Um, if evaluated in a cold knife cone with negative uh, margins, no evidence of destructive stromal invasion, uh, no lymphovascular invasion, a tumor that would otherwise be considered FIGO stage 1B1. Um, if it's pattern A, we now have very good data to suggest that that patient has little or no risk of lymph node metastasis. Therefore, um, the practitioner, the gynecologist, would really have an option as to whether a sentinel lymph node evaluation is appropriate or, as you say, even omitting the sentinel lymph node evaluation. So yes, we really hope that this pattern-based classification will translate into uh, uh, more personalized uh, management of patients within a cervical adenocarcinoma. And then just uh, one question uh, with regards to some curiosity. It, I, I think I heard you say pattern A and pattern B are very similar to each other, it's, and it sounds like pattern C is really a very different kind of tumor. Yes. So could we consider the pattern A and B similar to how we as clinicians view grades as grade one and grade two as low risk and grade three is high risk? Yeah, great question. So uh, we actually have just uh, looked at um, this very topic. So we looked at a large group of endocervical adenocarcinomas and graded them using uh, guidelines from uh, FIGO. Um, and then we looked at clinical outcomes stratified by grade, and then we assigned the pattern-based system and evaluated similar parameters, and we found that histological grading itself has little or no clinical relevance in HPV-associated adenocarcinomas of the cervix, and rather the pattern-based system had uh, much uh, more powerful discriminatory power. So yes, I agree with you that if we were to um, translate the pattern-based system into a grading system, I would assign the pattern A tumors and the pattern B tumors lacking lymphovascular invasion. Um, I would consider them to be low-grade HPV-associated endocervical adenocarcinomas. I would assign the pattern C tumors to high-grade um, endocervical adenocarcinomas. And I think we, as yet, have insufficient data regarding uh, those pattern B tumors with lymphovascular invasion. But I anticipate that they um, would be either intermediate risk, intermediate grade, or possibly segregate with the high-grade tumors. 
Um, put this in sort of a, a frame of reference. Where do we stand today? Are you routinely reporting to your um, uh, clinicians, your surgeons, the pattern in cervical adenocarcinoma? Do we need more studies? Do we need prospective data to correlate reproducibility of this? Uh, where are we today? Sure. So the first thing I, I think that needs to be mentioned is that we really only assign uh, stromal invasion pattern um, in HPV-associated adenocarcinomas. We actually did an analysis regarding uh, whether the pattern-based system applies to HPV-unassociated adenocarcinomas, and we found that the pattern-based system was not applicable to those 15% of endocervical adenocarcinomas lacking HPV association. Um, regarding what we do in practice, yes, we do now report the pattern of cervical stromal invasion, um, particularly in LEAP and cone biopsy specimens and increasingly in hysterectomy specimens, although admittedly um, assigning the pattern um, in a hysterectomy specimen might have limited value as, as compared to um, a, a local, local excision uh, type of specimen. So yes, we do it, number one. Number two, is it reproducible? Yes, there are, I think, at least five different studies uh, from, I think, at least three different institutions, and I may even be underestimating the number of publications on the topic that have shown that this is a reproducible classification scheme. I know that Dr. Silva is doing um, additional work on the pattern C tumors uh, to distinguish which are the worst pattern C tumors and the, you know, if, and which are the less bad uh, pattern C tumors, and, and I'm anticipating the results of that study. But regarding a uh, prospective analysis of the data, absolutely. Um, obviously, gynecologic oncologists tend to uh, trust and value the results of uh, prospective analyses very highly, uh, with good reason, and we're currently in the process uh, of uh, working on such a project. And then just to, to follow all up uh, along with those lines, um, and particularly obviously with the pattern C, are there any additional ancillary tests that we can integrate to, to get better definition of the prognostic value? Yeah, uh, tough, tough question. So the first thing to be said is, again, to really only apply the pattern-based system to HPV-associated adenocarcinomas. You can refer to our previous uh, podcast uh, regarding the distinction of HPV-associated and unassociated adenocarcinomas for further information about that. But one such ancillary test that could first be performed to distinguish between those tumors um, is evaluation of the presence of HPV either indirectly with a P16 immunohistochemical stain or in situ hybridization within RNA-based uh, probes for high-risk HPV. Once you're assured that uh, the tumor um, in question is HPV-associated, um, obviously there's quite a bit of interest in finding um, ancillary tests that would help support uh, classification um, in problematic cases. Um, perhaps even um, in excision specimens with positive margins where it's 
by definition impossible to assign a pattern uh, with confidence. So that I'm aware of one paper, uh, I think again from the Sunnybrook and women's team that have looked at the genomic signature of, uh, of endocervical adenocarcinoma stratified by stromal invasion patterns and there are significant differences. Um, so I can anticipate a time where we could make use of some of this data, particularly in diagnostically problematic cases and perhaps even in a small biopsy specimen. Well, Rob, this has been incredibly informative. Uh, any closing remarks you want to make? Well, I would encourage, first of all, uh, the pathologists in the audience to familiarize themselves with this pattern-based classification system. I would encourage those pathologists also to engage in a discussion with the gynecologic oncologist or even in uh, with their community gynecologists um, really to educate them about the benefits of the system, particularly uh, in the way it outperforms uh, both the historical FIGO staging scheme and even the newly proposed uh, FIGO staging scheme for endocervical adenocarcinomas. And then of course, I would love our clinical colleagues uh, to, um, to be aware of the significance um, of the findings from these studies and also hopefully to adapt different uh, treatment modalities um, that are aligned with the pattern-based system. Well, Rob, thank you so much. I want to thank you for sharing your expertise with us, with our audience. I want to also thank you for being a member of the editorial board of the International Journal. This is Dr. Uh, Pedro Ramirez, editor-in-chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer.